Welcome to the Bedford Alliance Church Bible Reading Plan Podcast. I'm Luke Cugino, your discipleship pastor and host. This podcast follows along with our church-wide reading plan, which walks you through the entire New Testament and gives you an overview of the Old Testament. Join us as we dive into God's life-changing Word together. Welcome back, everyone. This week, we are reading the end of the book of Hebrews, so Hebrews 12 and 13. We're also reading the book of Jude and the first two chapters of 1 John. But this week, I I actually want to circle back to Hebrews 11. I know that's technically from last week's reading, but it ties into chapter 12 as well, and it really gives a nice way of wrapping up the book of Hebrews. And I, I also think it's just an important chapter to cover as well, and I think we tend to miss the bigger context of it. So we'll cover that this week, and then next week we'll touch on the book of Jude and first through third John. And those are shorter books, so those will will move a little bit quicker there. So now Hebrews 11. This chapter is often known as the Hall of Faith. Now remember, chapter 10 wraps up by talking about how God isn't pleased with those who shrink back. And the author is talking about people who turn their backs on Christ in the midst of persecution. Because remember, the author is writing to believers who have a Jewish background and they're facing intense persecution. And so they're tempted to turn their backs on Christ, to return to their old ways, to go back to their old covenant ways. But the author says God will not be pleased with people who do that. And he also tells his audience that they're not among those people. He says, we're part of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So then he goes on in chapter 11, he expounds on faith. What does it mean to have faith, biblical faith? What does it look like? And he defines faith in chapter 11, verse 1. He basically says, faith is putting our hope, our trust, our expectation in things that are unseen. And he goes on and gives examples of faith from the Old Testament. And the author talks about how Old Testament saints didn't really get to see the fulfillment of God's promises. If you think about it, Abraham never saw the fulfillment of God's promise to give him countless descendants or the promised land. And it was the same with Isaac and Jacob. And it was the same in some way with all of the Old Testament saints because they never got to see the, the final fulfillment of God's promise to bring salvation to his people. But they trusted God. They trusted in things that were unseen. And I think this is a good time to to circle back on a point from last week. And that's that God's people have always been saved by faith. We mentioned this last week. God's people have always been saved by faith. They weren't saved through the sacrifices of bulls and goats. They were saved by trusting in God's promises, even if they didn't have the full picture, the same picture that we have today. Because notice Hebrews 11 affirms these Old Testament saints for their faith, not for their sacrifices. Hebrews 11.39 says all these were approved through their faith. Now, Old Testament sacrifices had a purpose. They reminded God's people of their sin and for the, the need for payment to be made. And they allowed Israel to maintain a relationship 
with God. But these sacrifices didn't provide lasting forgiveness because that could only come through a perfect sacrifice. But even though Jesus hadn't come yet in the Old Testament, the Old Testament saints still put their faith in God. They trusted in his future promises and his future salvation. So now at this point, I want to skip ahead to the end of chapter 11, and I want to read starting in verse 32 through verse 38. Okay, so this is chapter 11, verse 32. It says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were, they were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. That's quite the description, isn't it? This passage reminds me of Paul's description of his sufferings in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 when he he talks about his shipwrecks and his beatings and how he was robbed and without clothing, without food. And so this description in Hebrews 11 shows us that God did mighty things through these Old Testament saints. But they also suffered tremendously. It describes people in here who were were martyred. But even those who weren't killed faced mocking and flogging and chains and imprisonment. They wandered in the wilderness. And remember, this is key. I think we often miss this. Remember, the author is writing to people who were suffering. He says the Old Testament saints maintained their faith in the midst of suffering. But how did they do that? What carried them through, through the midst of suffering? And I think the author answers that in part, at least, earlier in the chapter. So I want to read verses 13 through 16 in context here. The author pauses after talking about Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob to say this. He says, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. So the author writes this passage about the patriarchs back in Genesis, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. But this applies in some sense to all of the Old Testament saints. What was it that kept them going in the midst of trials and suffering and difficulties? They realized that they were foreigners and exiles on the earth. They realized this wasn't their ultimate home. They were waiting for a better country, a heavenly home. You see, Old Testament saints weren't just waiting for the promised land. 
They were looking forward to God's eternal purposes. They lived with an eternal perspective. This is huge. This is very crucial to living a godly life, and it it applies to us today. So here's the question for us. Do we view ourselves as foreigners and exiles on this earth? Do we see ourselves as temporary residents who are on a mission from God? Or do we treat this earth like it's the big hoorah, like it's the ultimate goal? Do we try to build our kingdom here instead of waiting for God's eternal kingdom to come? Think about it. If you think of yourself as living in a foreign land on a specific mission, you're going to live very differently than if you view yourself living in a cozy home. Because when you're a temporary resident on a mission, your life isn't about being comfortable. It's not about accumulating stuff. It's not about safety and ease. You're trying to fulfill a mission. And the author of Hebrews says this is how these Old Testament saints lived. They lived on mission. They realized this life isn't the ultimate reward. Our ultimate reward, our ultimate home is yet to come. So with this in mind, we then come to chapter 12. And the author starts by saying, therefore, meaning in light of what we just talked about in chapter 11. And he says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who are these witnesses? It's the Old Testament saints that we just talked about. He's saying in light of the example that they've set for us, he tells us, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So the author uses some athletic imagery here, and the imagery of casting aside, setting aside, probably refers to removing restrictive clothes, because in Greek athletics, they actually competed without clothes. So there's your fun fact for the day. So the author is using cultural imagery, something they would have understood, to say, cast aside the things that restrict us, that hold us back. Again, live like an exile on mission. Don't get caught up. Don't get hung up in civilian affairs and worldly affairs. Then he calls them to run with endurance the race set before us. And again, where does this endurance come from? He says, by fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So the author tells his audience, follow the example of the Old Testament saints who fix their eyes on eternity and follow the example of Jesus. He says, you may be suffering, believers, but Jesus suffered too. He was beaten, he was flogged, he was mocked. And he endured the severest suffering of all. He bore the sins of the world as he was crucified. How did Jesus endure? Hebrews 12 says he did it for the joy set before him. But what was that joy? It was his reward. It was being seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus, like the Old Testament saints, kept an eternal perspective. 
he realized he was a temporary resident on earth and he lived on mission. He didn't get entangled with the things of this world. He kept a kingdom mindset. And so this whole idea really wraps up the book of Hebrews. The author encourages these suffering believers, don't give up. Don't give up. The Old Testament saints suffered. Jesus suffered. But they endured by keeping their mind on eternity, on God's eternal promises and purposes. So don't turn from Jesus. Jesus is so much greater than the old covenant. He fulfills the old covenant. Run with endurance the race that is set before you. That's what the book of Hebrews is all about. And for us, I want to challenge us to think, are we living with an eternal perspective? There's a principle I like to live by, and I may have mentioned this in previous podcasts, but I think it's very important. It's eternal thinking fuels everyday living. Eternal thinking fuels everyday living. How do we make it through the struggles and the trials of this life? By focusing on eternity. And again, I believe I mentioned this quote in previous episodes, but it's so true. C.S. Lewis wrote, If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. So the more we think about eternity, the more motivated we'll be to make a difference for eternity in this life. Why do we become ineffective as Christians in this life? Well, part of the reason is because we lose perspective. We become entangled with the things of this world. We start to live like this world is all that there is. But the more we can realize that this world isn't the final reward, the more we'll live on mission. The more we'll live like foreigners and exiles. But how do we develop an eternal perspective? Well, there there are really no secrets here. The best thing we can do is fill our minds with God's eternal word. God's word continually redirects our minds to him and to eternity, to our ultimate reward. It reminds us what our mission is. The problem is that we often fill our minds more with the things of this world than with God's word. Right? We spend hours doing things like scrolling on our phones, watching Netflix, maybe watching the news, checking Facebook. And meanwhile, our Bibles are getting dusty on the shelf. So my challenge to you is this. Make God's word your priority. And pray for God to fix your eyes on him and eternity. Now, hopefully you're still following along with the BAC reading plan. And understand this podcast is a supplement. If you're going to give up something, give up this podcast, not the reading plan. Because the word of God is what changes you. It's living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. So make the word your priority. And even if you're already following the reading plan, I challenge you, don't just make it a checkbox in your day. Spend time meditating on what you read. And if you want additional reading, you can always read through a psalm or a proverb a day. Maybe you can do that in the evening if you do your normal reading in the morning or vice versa. 
But the point is keep the word in front of you and in your mind all the time. If you do that, you will begin to change. It may not be instantaneous, just like as people, we don't grow all at once, right? This is, a, this is a mistake people often make. They think, oh, I started reading the Bible, but I'm not any different. Well, that's like saying, I went to the gym for a week and I look the same. This isn't an instant change, but a steady diet of the word over time produces mature believers, believers with eternal perspectives. Remember, eternal thinking fuels everyday living. So whatever you're going through today, don't lose heart. The Old Testament saints suffered and Jesus suffered. They made it through by focusing their eyes on eternity. So I challenge you to do the same. Run with endurance the race set before you, knowing that one day all things will be made right and we'll spend eternity with Jesus Christ. Let's live for that day. Thank you.